1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Thanks for making us part of your day. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerrard. All right. Time to check in with the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz getting ready for some playoff hoops. The great Craig Bowler, Jack, kind enough to join us on the T-Mobile special guest line. Bowler, how are you? Hey, Bowler. Scotty hands them well. How are you all doing? Man, I tell you what, it's been fun hearing you and Thurl and Matt on the broadcast. Eight games down, and now it's time for a little... uh, now it's time for a little uh, playoff basketball. You, got, you, you, you get the excitement. I mean, you're not there, but are you still feeling the, the sense that it's playoff hoops? Yeah, I, I, I feel it a little bit uh, after everything went down yesterday. I mean, it was just right down the wire uh, just about five minutes before we hit the air that San Antonio had been eliminated uh, because of uh, victories prior to our tip-off. So, you know, Pops – uh, Popovich, I'm guessing he'll be back. You know, 22 consecutive years in the playoffs is an incredible run, uh, much like what the Jazz, you know, did years ago in the 80s and 90s. But, um, you know, it was uh, – it didn't have a lot of a zing to it yesterday because we knew that the Spurs had been eliminated and, of course, the Jazz were going to be locked in the sixth spot for the uh, third seed matchup with the Denver Nuggets. But, you know, one thing Quinn has done, I mean, he's given Jazz fans, I think, a really good look of – uh, they have uh, talent-wise with a bunch of young young players and Mieoni and Jarrell Brantley, Rajon Tucker. I mean, they played multiple minutes uh, so far in the bubble, and uh, you know they rested uh, Conley and Gobert yesterday. Well, I shouldn't say rest. Look, I guess the the way they want to say it is the fact they had soreness, lower back and knee. So uh, the Jazz will be full strength and healthy. Uh, when they when they pick this up on Monday against Denver, and you know what, it's uh, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, first time in ten years, they uh, they haven't taken on the uh, they have not seen the Nuggets in postseason play. So let the games begin. A lot of minutes from the bench yesterday in that San Antonio game. I I just want to get a couple of thoughts from you, Bowler. What did you take away from that from that game and and some of the performances of these guys, bench or starters? <laughs> Well, I'm really impressed with the way that Brantley and Tucker have played throughout. Uh, Tucker is really an athlete. Uh, you know, he's a guard, while Brantley's a, a small forward that just plays with energy, physicality, and a very big-time athlete along with Tucker. Um, so those two, along with Mieoni, uh, has, has impressed me. Um, and the fact that Quinn Snyder actually put them in situations to even get better up against, you know, NBA players. And these guys are trying to prove they belong in this league. So I think we had a pretty good, uh, a pretty good eight game, uh, you know, test. And did they pass it? You know, I think the Jazz with a short season or short off season ahead, uh, they use a lot of this time hands actually, I think, to evaluate and to make some big decisions before the draft to see what they need and to see actually what they have. I think they had to get some answers, right, because uh, Donovan missed a couple of games. Uh, you know, Gobert uh, missed a couple. Conley, uh, you know, Royce O'Neal. So they, they gave the young players an opportunity, and I saw athleticism. I saw some physical play, some ability to play defense, and I also saw a couple of guys who can run the floor and finish. So on that part, uh, I was excited to see uh, the young guys uh, really kind of prove they may belong in this league, or at least we'll get another shot to, to be here. Mm. 
Craig Bullerjack right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All eyes on the Nuggets. You've called three games against the Nuggets this year. Uh, all games have been close, but all games have been won by Denver. Uh, what do you expect out of this seven-game series? Well, here we go. Uh, Denver, let's see, first game, Jazz lost by six on the road, lost by three at home, and then I don't think there was a better game in the bubble. Maybe the 61 drop by Damian Lillard was the the, the most stunning performance, but that double overtime uh, game with uh, with Denver was probably one of the most entertaining games uh, in Orlando. So I guess the first thing would be all eyes on Gobert and Jokic. Uh, I think you saw the importance of Rudy in that double overtime loss once he fouled out. Uh, Jokic was able to uh, patrol the paint and actually do pretty much what he wanted, and that just shows you the value of Rudy uh, disrupting shots. So Rudy's got to stay on the floor. Tony Bradley's got to give him some quality minutes of rest uh, to allow Rudy to complete uh, you know, each and every game. So I would think we start there. And uh, the other player that really has developed in, in Orlando in the bubble is Michael Porter, Jr., uh, he exploded throughout the entire eight games and uh, played well. You know, against the Jazz, had 21, make that 23 in the overtime uh, win for Denver. So they've got a lot. I tell you, their starting five's good. Uh, the bench, you know, um, let's see where that goes, and maybe that's where the Jazz will have the the advantage with Clarkson. Um, you know, again, I think George Niang has regained confidence from outside. Tony Bradley, uh, I, I'm. I feel confident he can play some good quality minutes. We'll see what Moutier can bring. And also with uh, you know the, the three guys I spoke of earlier, Oni, Brantley, and uh, Rajon Tucker, even if they do get into the rotation. I'm not sure how that plays out, guys. If Quinn Snyder wants to go 9, 10 deep, or if he tries to just to keep it at a, a about an eight-man rotation. Uh, we'll, we'll find out on Monday. How do you feel the continuity is right now with that starting five? It feels like, you know, everything's been disrupted because of exactly what you said. They need to figure out what they're doing in the draft, what 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 personnel they may need. But how do you feel like their continuity is doing with that starting five? How do you think they'll hit the floor running is what I'm asking. Well, the, I'd say one hand's great question. <clears throat> you know, without Bogdanovich, this has been, a, a, I think, a complete experiment. I really have to see who, who can play who can't, uh, and what combinations work. Um, and I think what I've seen is when healthy, when the five have been on the floor, despite the slow start from three, I, I, you know, Joe, I think Joe's been the key uh, in, in, in just the rebuilding of the confidence of this, of this team because when Joe hits and runs the offense, when Donovan has been out, uh, I think they've rebuilt – um, a lot of continuity, as you say. Um, Conley has had his moments as well, you know, playing. And, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, we know what he can do, and we know what Rudy can do. And we know Royce is a, is a, a really high-level uh, wing defender. So, you know what I think it comes down to, Anson Scotty, is can the Jazz hit threes? And whoever does in this series is going to be the victor. Uh, you got to play D, obviously. You've got to keep uh, Jokic under control. But I still think the three ball has the power and can go bare finish at the rim. The other part of that equation, my third piece would be, can the Jazz eliminate turnovers, which I thought haunted them uh, quite a bit throughout the first eight games uh, of, uh, of the seeding games. Craig Buller, Jack, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Buller, you know, when you... 
uh, look across the landscape of the NBA. What has really jumped out at you? I, it, to me, I thought I thought offenses might be a little slow uh, to get going in the bubble, but offense has been on fire. It's the defense that surprised me, which, I mean, we saw, what was it, 137-135 in four quarters last night in that Portland game. Yeah, yeah, scoring's really up. And you know what? You know, Hans, as a former professional athlete, I wonder, from your standpoint, is it the fact the pressure of the fan has been taken out of the equation so they play freer? I don't know. There's nobody in there, right? There's nobody in Vivint when we're there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, the virtual fans are fun. But in the reality of it, it's, it's just the gym and it's the rim. And, yeah, you can – but no one's, you know, yelling – no one's banging the thunder sticks. No one's there to really take your focus off the game. And I think even the coaches, uh, it's more of a free-flowing, uh, you know, just way they're playing the game. You know, Quinn made it clear, too, when they went to Orlando. And to make those adjustments uh, without Bogdanovich, look, they may play the four guards, which they have. And that opens up more, you know, running opportunities, transition buckets. And I think we've seen that. And the three-point shot, obviously, is coming to play, too. I do think it's I, – I think, Buller, we, we have seen a, a higher form of concentration. I, I think it's happened on the PGA Tour as well. You, know, you see these golfers that have full focus and very, very few distractions. And, you know, you're watching now these NBA players just kind of put it on the line. They don't worry about what what's around them. So I, it's got to be a huge difference. Yeah. And I, and I, and I got to imagine it's going to be a huge difference in the, in the postseason. Cause I can tell you this, when you're getting ready for postseason in, in the world of professional sports, it's way different than getting ready for a bowl game in college. It's, it's different than getting ready for anything in high school. It's the fans ramp up and you know that the best of the best are just going to play harder and better. But not having fans in the stands for the postseason, that's going to be a strange, strange feeling. And I, I don't know what to expect from that. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, we talked about it last night somewhat, uh, Thurl and, and Matt and I. You know, the floor, they've done a great job, I mean, making it look as as real as they can, right? Uh, and they pump in, you know, Dan Roberts' introductions uh, that they taped prior to, some crowd noise that we're used to, and some of the themes that go with home team basketball and if you looked at the floor last night you would think it was coming right out of Vivint right but that's all uh, by by the beauty of electronic magic it's it's superimposed on that floor there's no Vivint there uh, there's no Utah Jazz logo there that the players can see we see it right as viewers so that's a great point I don't know um, I think the team that's able to focus the best Hans and Scotty that realize they can maybe improvise and let's just say this, somehow manufacture the next level of energy they need in tough situations will be will be the ones that come out with the win. Because you're right, there's no one there to, to infuse in the fourth quarter energy that yeah. comes into play, right, Hans? I mean, yeah. it, it's in that fourth quarter or, you know, that beginning of the kickoff when, man, you were just flying high and running with speed that you never knew you had. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, remember v- those Vaguely. Days? Vaguely. And you could just fly down the field, and you thought, man, nobody's going to stop me. 
But I think that's really going to be key is the energy levels. Where do you find it? Who's going to provide it? And is it one player, two, who says, guys, come on, rally, me, me, it's on me, and have to feed off their energy. So I do think that's going to play a factor. And I would not be surprised that if Portland gets into this thing on the playoff with Memphis, that somehow Lillard's energy plays a big factor and their battle with uh, with LeBron, if if that actually you know happens tomorrow uh, or Sunday, if they have to play two games, but he you know he's the guy that's delivered the energy. How long can he provide it? I don't know, but man, he's been on a mission. But I think you'll see an upset or two, don't you? I mean, I, in the first round, yes. just because of yes. what we talked about. Some teams yes. may be more focused. Others may be saying, "No, I want out of here." I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be real interesting. Craig Bowler, Jack, joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. How much fun are you watch, having watching Portland play? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, we're, we're close to Lillard because he was just north of here in Ogden playing at Weaver State. You know, he's almost like eh, he belongs, right, um, And uh, to, to Utah. Uh, he's a dynamic player. You know, he's been under incredible stress and pressure, and he got into it with Skip Bayless about, you know, what did Skip say, guys, uh, last week? What have you done? What have you won? Show it to me. Prove it to me. So there's been a, a personal uh, battle uh, and one that I think Damian's taken to the next level of trying to prove, look, you, you're going to question me? of what I can do as an athlete and what he's already done to carry Portland to this point says a lot to me about not only his character, but his, his drive and his competitiveness, but the guy can shoot. And when you can shoot off the logo and make a three, are you kidding me? I mean, that's Steph Curry like, right? A little clay Thompson, but it's mostly Steph's. That's where Steph shoots his threes. Not nobody else in this league, but Damian Lillard now has taken his game even deeper uh, from the three-point line. But you got to love his competitive hands. My gosh, oh, that's man. a guy you wouldn't want on your team. I don't know who who else it would be. I mean, that's that's the, one of the guys I would pick right off the top. Yeah, and you think about his level of commitment to Portland and, and the commitment he's shown to that organization. Very few NBA players are willing to do that anymore. And, you know, the, the thought I had, and I asked Scotty this question, Bowler, if Donovan Mitchell was placed in a similar position as Devin Booker and Damian Lillard, where they had to carry their teams, you know, Booker gets them to a eight and zero, Lillard gets them to this playing game coming up on Saturday. We, I know, we've seen some fourth quarter Donovan Mitchell, but I wonder if he could take that next step. I'm sure he's watching Damian doing what he's doing, and and he saw that near half court shot, and Damian said, "Look, the game was on the line. Our season was on the line." I've got to take that shot. Is is Donovan Mitchell going to be able to get himself to that that level where he can carry it if he absolutely has to? Well, I think we saw it in the double overtime loss in the sense of allowing the Jazz to move from the fourth quarter to overtime to double OT. Your point's well taken. Third year, Damian, I believe, is in his seventh, but this is the jumping-off point for most players who take that next level the next take it to their game to the next level and I thought we saw it against Denver actually yeah he's an all-star and he averages 24 plus points a game and you know that next level's tough hands to reach I remember um, Ronnie Lott um, I mean the great the great player for the 49ers and his son and I worked together at CBS Ryan Neese who was a linebacker for Tampa Bay and he always told me, his, his pops, who's a Hall of Famer, said to me, which really kind of 
was an interesting comment. You know, there's all-stars and there's Hall of Famers, but then there's the universe. And I go, what do you mean, man? He goes, my dad always told me that there's only a few that belong in the universe. And I thought, man, Ronnie Lott is one competitive dude. But see, that's what really it is. I mean, you can be a Hall of Famer, but you know, is there another level beyond that? And Watt believed he was. And so we're always talking about, you know, different levels of play. I mean, all-star status is tough. Hall of Fame status is, in, is, is only for a reserved few. And then according to a lot, the universe is for just very few. But Donovan's reached one level, right, is my point. So what does it take to go to the next one? And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he can be consistent hands. Does he score uh, early and often? Or is, this, is Donovan more of a second-half player who rallies his team? But sometimes that 16- or 17-point deficit, that's a big hill to climb. It takes a lot of energy, right, a lot of focus. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just we're going to have to watch it together. Uh, because I, I see the potential and the possibilities of greatness. But again, I think he'll be judged as he goes on along his career like Damien has. What have you won? What have you done? And that's what everyone judges players on. Not, not basically, you know, all-star appearances or defensive player of the year, but it comes to rings. It comes to MVPs. And that, that's the next elite level that everyone tries to get to. And does Donovan have it? I'm anxious to watch him play and see how you know see if he can reach that next level. Uh, which um, again, I think he's an incredibly talented player. But man, that next level is a really tough one to get to. Is that story of Ronnie Lott lopping off a finger? That's not true, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, is it? Yeah, niece Ryan told me it was true. Yeah, cut it off. I'm playing. I mean, that's I mean that's kind of folklorish, but yeah. I mean, I asked him straight up, did you pop? You know, really just say cut it. And uh, he says, yeah. So I got to believe, you know, Ryan Neese, great guy, by the way, with some great stories about his dad. I was hoping I'd meet him in person just so I could look at the little little finger and say, show it. I want to see that. Show me. Yeah, I want to see the uh, lopped off finger for sure. He actually just said cut it so I could play. I guess he said it was just grotesquely turned and twisted upside down and sideways. So. They would have had to probably let it, you know, they, I don't know if they could have fixed it or if it would have been even, you know, usable at the time. But that's the that's the mystic, uh, the mysterious uh, and the folklore story of one Ronnie Lott. Yeah, I love the game so much. Cut my finger off so I can go back and play. Go grab a box cutter. Let's, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> let's I, do it. I, I, I need the details on this story. Like, I, yeah. I know the story. But yeah. I, I need to know. I got to get to the bottom of this because I, I, I'm pretty extreme. But even I you would have, be like, you, I'm, you have your boundaries. Yeah, I'm not cutting off an, an, an appendage. An I'm appendage. just not. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'll do? Next time we talk, I will make a call to Ryan, and I will try to get more information on this on this story. Uh, I hope he'll come clean, or if it's not, I don't know if he wants to ruin, uh, or, or I would think he'd want to say yes, of course, but would he say no, no, no? He wouldn't want to break the folklore of his dad, would he? But still, I'll try to, I'll try to dig it out of him. Uh, he's a pretty good guy, and <clears throat> we had a lot of fun. But uh, uh, <laughs> I always said, hey, where's your dad? We did a lot of you know Pac-12 games, and I thought he lives out here, man. Come on, bring him over to a game. I want to I want to just see the finger for my you know for myself. Get him but, up uh, the never, It never happened. 
I am looking at a picture of the left uh, pinky finger, and it does appear like gone. above the knuckle it is gone. So See? I don't know if it happened at halftime of a game or after the game, but there is a finger missing. Wait, so well, it's folklore that it was at half? At, yeah, or it like yeah. went into the locker room. Yeah. They said, yeah, well, yeah you, you can't go back in because your finger's all mangled. He's like, well, then just cut cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> so you, you, it's gone. But is it true that he that he actually did it at half? And then what do they do? They toss it in the can and then just stitch it, and then he wraps it with tape and goes play. I mean, and then shoot him up with a little Novocaine. I don't know, a little painkiller, and off he goes. Yeah. And if, if it is true, that's that's the next level of uh, well, I don't know what you would call it, guys. But again, that's a real love for the game. I'm not. I yeah. I think there's got to be more to that story, but. I'm with you, Hans. Hey, will you please do that for us, Bowler? See if you can get a hold of him. Ask him some details on that. Tell him, I will. Tell me you got a couple of guys that are really curious about it. <laughs> so am I, after all this discussion. I mean, I kind of <laughs> just took it for Ryan. Ryan said, oh, yeah, man, he had cut off. But, you know, I never got the real <laughs> that's details. Really, it's high you level. Know, that's, where, that's where that conversation came up of the universe. And I looked at him like, what? Man, your dad, man, is at another level. But Ronnie Lott believes the universe is where the true, true greats belong. Hall of Fame's one level. That was my point. And then I said, who, who else is, else is, in, is in his universe? You know? And we never really got into the whole list. But I'm going to ask him about the universe, too, and see what I can. Who, who else belongs with Lott, in his mind, in the universe of football players? All right. Bowler, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> Well, that's a great one to, le- to lean on there or leave on. Oh, yeah. yeah. The universe. Yeah. <laughs> Hands in my book, both you and Scotty, you're universe players in my book. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I like it. See you, Bowler. All right, guys. Take care.